The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Amen, and this is your RSM Classic Mega Preview Pod. Producer Jacob messed with a womp, give us a womp, womp, womp instead of the theme song to start this one off. So obviously things are going splendidly. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. What up, Greg? What's going on? Uh, Jacob, great recovery on that, by the way. <laughs> it was smooth. It's like it never even happened. <laughs> yeah, this is great. I'm excited to be here. Kyle Porter also here. KP, what's good? At what point do we dub over freaking miscut instead of freaking first cut? For uh, you can do it. Easy. Tough, tough scene. I apologize. Uh, some guys are working on a fence in my backyard right now. So if you hear some uh, nail guns going off. It's not because it, it, I'm in a dangerous situation. We're we're all good. <laughs> oh, is it like a white picket fence? Is it like a what are we no, talking here? It's like a it's actually a gate for uh, kind of our driveway. So. Mm, the old driveway gate, uh, gentlemen. It is RSM Classic Week. However, Greg, we didn't get to catch up after the Masters, so I want to just kind of start there, give you an opportunity to kind of talk about final thoughts everything that went on and we can we can drive on that for a few minutes so one dj i'm sure you guys talked about it at length but he's just awesome so i can't wait to see what happens i have a feeling this is a floodgates kind of a kind of a thing and you're going to see dj win a lot more like we were looking at william hill before the show at some of the bets for next year some of the long shot futures and and all of them it's like oh there's good odds on john rom winning the money list but yeah but dj Oh, is Bryson going to win the Masters in April? But well, don't forget about DJ. He's just playing too good to look away. So um, I, I think this could be really important for him and his career. And we could start to see a Dustin Johnson that we've all expected. But what I loved about this tournament most was how many moments there were throughout. And as you're watching, you see world number one, two, and three all in the mix at the same time. You see Rory McIlroy charging up the leaderboard, getting himself in position. Um, you, you see a tournament get turned on its head for Bryson DeChambeau on his third hole. So it, everybody faced a moment in the tournament where it either you either recovered DJ hole number six on Sunday, recovered, turned the tournament around in his favor. Whereas Justin Thomas on Saturday had a couple moments. I, I think it was hole number 12 on Saturday where the whole tournament gets away from him. Um, John Rahm has a moment, I think, uh, as early as hole number two on Saturday where the tournament seems to get away from him. Everybody, Adam Scott, early on Thursday, has a moment where he's he's got it going really well. He hits the flagstick, it bounces back in the water, yeah. and you can see the frustration build. So everybody at some point in the tournament looked like they're charging. Xander Shoffley had a couple of moments as well. They look like they're charging, and all of a sudden, 
one mistake, one error, and and it, it turns the whole tournament in a different direction. That's what I love about Augusta National. It harnesses this uh, this drive. So it, it was a great tournament to see. I think the – and I, I can't remember if we talked about this on Sunday night or not, Rick, but I think the comp that I'm sort of settling on for DJ sort of historically is uh, Ernie Ellis. And, and it might just be because they're like these strapping guys who have awesome swings and kind of win all over the world. But you look at Ernie's – he's got – I think he won four majors – um, he won only 19 times on the PGA Tour. DJ's already got 24, but Ernie won, I think, 22 European Tour events that were not also, like, not the, you know, getting the credit both, both ways. Um, so, I don't know. I think, if, I think if we look at DJ's career at the very end and say, oh, it's pretty similar to Ernie L's, I think that would be, obviously, I think it'd be a great thing for DJ, but I also think that's a pretty like legit comp for kind of where he might end up real quick. I wanted to ask you, Greg, what did you make of all the guys? And this is, this sort of leads into RSM because our, because Sea Island is really short, right? It's, it's 7,000 yards. What did you make of all the guys in the field at Augusta that were not long off the tee at all? Um, guys like CT Pan, uh, even, even somebody like answer. Cam, Abraham answer, even somebody like Cam Smith, who's not like, He's not crazy off the tee. Um, what did you make of the guys like that contending even in a year where all we're talking about is distance and all we get is a really soft, wet course? Yeah, it's so I'm glad you brought that up because heading into it, as we talked about many times, uh, we thought it would it would favor bombers. It would favor long hitters. Turns out DJ won. He's a long hitter. But uh, at the same time, I think we really learned something where a soft golf course invites brings more players into, into the mix. It's something you talk about a lot, Kyle, how firm fast separates. It, it really separates. Well, soft allows you to attack hole locations with a, with a four iron. So that, that it, the disadvantage um, for someone like uh, Abraham answer against uh, a Dustin Johnson is, is, is reduced to some degree. It's not completely gone, but you can get away with a little bit more. You, if you're off your number by uh, a yard or two, it's not like you saw the ball taking the wrong ridge and going 80 feet away. Like we see some, at some points, there are some spots on the golf course. I, I think of hole number one players missed that green to the left with a left hole location and were able to get up and down or, or able to Webb Simpson even, even made the shot from over there. It's normally completely dead. So the soft conditions allowed you to get away with a little bit more. Um, it did toughen up over the weekend a little bit, but I think that, that invites more players into the mix because it's soft because the club you're hitting into the green matters less when it's really firm and fast. You're talking about it like the BMW, what we saw, you need to have loft. You need to have spin to be able to stop the ball in the green. So the advantage increases dramatically. And I, I don't think we had that separation because of the way the course played. What, what would the floodgates opening look like? For Dustin Johnson, right? I mean, three wins in 2016, four in 2017, three in 2018, two in 2019, three in 2020. Uh, that that is the floodgates for a lot of guys, right? Yeah. What, what is it, that? It, look it's majors. Like? majors. It's major. It's winning the Masters again in April. Mm. Sounds crazy to say, or or winning the PGA. And I think getting two of the next four majors would be what I would call floodgates. You would mm. all of a sudden double up your. It would really be. I mean, you would be quadrupling. In, in a 2021 season, he'd be quadrupling his major championship total. 
that to me is floodgates. That's when you start getting into um, like a, a DJ slam kind of situation. If, if winning, oh. you know, you could get some cool, there could be some really cool things that happen, but I think it's all majors. I think it's every time that he contends in a major, which he does regularly and has throughout his whole career, he's closing the deal instead of finishing T2. I think what's interesting is that we think about, I heard somebody talking about this. It might've been the no line up guys. We think about, like you think about Rory's career at majors, you think about DJ and you're like, Oh, Rory's had a much better career at majors because he's won twice as many. But the reality is like DJ has been in like really in involved on a Saturday or Sunday in way more than, than Rory has. I mean, Rory's been involved a lot, obviously, but DJ is like freaking every major. I mean, you think back even to the beginning of last year, T2 at the Masters, sec, solo second at the PGA. Um, he finishes uh, T2 at this year's PGA, sixth at the U.S. Open. Like He's like in it on Sunday a lot. Everyone. And so I wonder if maybe some of those just start to kind of break his way. And instead of shooting 64 on Sunday, Colin Morikawa shoots 71 and DJ has three or, or whatever, like over the next three or four years. I think as long as he keeps – basically doing what he's been doing some of those might just start falling his way and we look up and he's got four or five of them where do you guys think he stands as in terms of um his driving in this kind of from 2010 on do you think he's the best driver in the game and also ball striking as a whole as is i mean his iron play has been so good his driving has been so good and i don't see him with the errant shots that some of the other guys like um like like Rory can miss big sometimes. He JT can hit some that, that hang out there. JT misses big. Some of these other big hitters have big misses. I feel like we just don't see that out of DJ, especially under the gun. I, I don't know if there's a more clutch driver that I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> he's more clutch than Tiger, right? Remember the, uh, where was it the, the line he took in against Spieth in a playoff where he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to win this right now. That was like, the, that was the oh, Yeah, it was <laughs> at, uh, what was it? Glen, Glen Oaks or Glen Arbor or something like that. I I, uh, I played Glen Oaks last year with Sean Martin, and he was like, "Are you going to take? We were playing eighteen, and are you going to take the speed line or the DJ line here? <laughs> I'm going to take the KP line. That's that's the better line. Uh, uh, all right, that's a good question about about DJ. I think that I think he just has such a go to shot that I, he's not necessarily the most creative guy. Uh, I think mostly because he doesn't have to be. I don't know that he's not creative. He just doesn't show it. And that just, that go-to, like, cut, like, tiny fade. I mean, I just, I've stood behind him so many times at Augusta, and it's like, you know, two-yard fade, three-yard fade. It's just, it's it's automatic. I mean, it looks robot. Yeah, it looks like he will never not hit that. Now, I I know that he hits bad shots, uh, but you're right, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to put himself into like really problematic positions. And when that's true, then it basically comes down to like, is your short game hot or not? Are you rolling in putts or not? And I think where he's gotten really detailed over the last two years is he takes so much time on the greens. Like he was really slow, like just following him around at Augusta national. He is not like, he'll hit a shot in, I mean, two seconds, like, Somebody's got one up in the air. His is almost up in the air at the same time. I mean, it's crazy how fast he is with his shots, with his putts. He's one of the slowest guys out there. And I think that 
I think that's been really beneficial and, and um, kind of helped him score better than maybe he did before. Mm. It's it's going to be interesting to see. We were talking before we went hot. He's playing Mayakoba next week. He's probably going to win that by like a million shots. Like he's going to shoot. <laughs> he's going to shoot something absolutely crazy. I don't even know who else is in that field, but my God, he's going to be like four to one. Uh, but let's focus on the RSM Classic this week, gentlemen, because this is a low key, really good field. One of the best strength of fields that we've ever seen in this event. Uh, in in this event's history, Webb Simpson's here, Terrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, but I want to focus on Webb. He's the favorite leading into this week. And we were kind of talking about, eh, yeah, is Augusta kind of long and wet going to be a good fit for him? He finds a top 10 there. I, I think it's time, Greg, that we kind of just shed this idea that there might be five or six courses that Webb is going to contend at because there might be like 18 or 20 courses or all the courses that Webb can contend at. You know, I love what Kyle wrote about here. Um, and, and part of this, the more conservative style at Augusta, I, we had a conversation earlier in the year, back in the, um, back during, uh, during quarantine with Webb, we got a chance to talk with Webb and Paul Tesori, and we spoke about Augusta national and how, how much he's learned about that golf course. And they both, Paul Tesori said, it's the most simple golf course. If you understand it and, and if you can be patient and if you can weather all the challenges it throws at you mentally, because there's always a place that you should hit it. There's always a side to hit it on. And it's fairly generous. It's not a claustrophobic golf course. It gives you some space. There's always a proper shot that you can always pull off. And if you just stick to that, it gets so much easier. And I think that's what you see with a Webb Simpson this week, even though it may not suit him. And we're thinking this will be advantage bombers. He he's able to utilize his mind a little more. And I think that's what we see with like Bernard Langer playing well um, to this is partly to your question earlier, Kyle, um, you see Bernard Langer playing really well. You see some of these shorter hitters playing well, even tiger who, who played well for a lot of the tournament. It, the mind is really valuable out there. And I think Webb's starting to understand that, but he doesn't just understand it at Augusta. He understands it everywhere. So with his, with his uh, tee to green game, his putting ability, everything except for distance, really, um, and, and his mind, especially, I think that's his key asset. All right, so let me let me tee, re-tee on this, KP, with a little bit of context. So for like the last year or so, I've been saying this line that's like, when they walk off the tee box, Webb Simpson's the best player on the tour. So here are the numbers. These are updated as of right now. So this is the entire 2020 calendar year. Uh, this is fairway through green. So approach around the green and putting. Uh, JT is now number one, 1 1.36 strokes per round. Daniel Berger is number two, 1.33. And Webb Simpson also 1.33. I mean, these are guys that uh, are amongst the, the, the top of the world once they step off the tee box. Yeah, they really are. Webb is, uh, you know, Webb's interesting because he, and I, I sort of think this about DJ too. It's like you start to get into your mid thirties and <clears throat> you're so locked in physically and it becomes like, okay, how well do you know these courses? How, how, how mentally locked in are you going to be in a given week? And it seems like he's just accumulated a ton of wisdom over the years. And you see a guy like, I don't know, like Matthew Wolf, and he's just like pulling at every pin and you're like, well, that, that's going to go badly at times. Like it did at Augusta last week. And Webb has just gotten super smart about picking his spots. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he, 
maybe I, I, we have this conversation every other week, but maybe the most underrated guy in the world. I think he's up there. I think uh, Sung Jay's up there. I think that um, I don't know. I can't. I can't think off the uh, DJ might be up there just because I think he's even better than people think that he is. So um, yeah, it's you know RSM for him. I, I was actually thinking. I, I loved your question earlier because I'm like, oh well. This is kind of his spot. He's like the Luke. This is like Luke Donald to uh, to RBC Heritage, but he's like that at Wyndham. Uh, he's played well at Colonial, and you're like, well, Webb is just good. Like I don't, I don't know what how else to put that. Yeah, he, he's. I mean, the results, the results, Greg are unbelievable. Yeah, the, the runner up finish last year here at the RSM, the third place the year before. But like, you have to scroll pretty far back to find like the last time he finished outside the top 20. I mean, he won at waste management. I mean, just, it just seems like he's trans translating so many more places than we want to believe. You know, you start, I love Kyle's point about being in your mid thirties and accumulating wisdom. You start to realize how tournaments play out and you start to get a sense for the flow of them and where you need to be at certain points and when you need to be aggressive and when you don't, and when it's time to live to see another day and when it's time to, uh, you know, put all the chips into the, in the middle of the table. And when you understand how a tournament is going to go, it's like us as analysts, as we get better and we learn from what happened at the PGA and we learn from what Bryson did at the U S open, we'll be able to handicap events better in the future. Um, as the game changes and as the, as the strategies on tour evolve, we learn who's going to do well and who isn't. So Webb learns how a tournament's going to go and what the flow is every single week he plays. And it allows him to kind of stay patient, play within himself and understand he, he has like the foresight to know that what he's doing is enough and he doesn't have to make up ground right now. He can make up ground over time and he does a great job of that. So I, I think that's one of the reasons why he does really well here. And also um, also one of the reasons why he does really well everywhere. Gentlemen, in case you missed it last week, we're giving away a 55-inch smart television, and here's what you need to know if you'd like a chance to win. The contest is completely free to enter. To win, go to cbssports.com slash giveaway. That link is in the description of the episode if you're watching on YouTube, as well as in the podcast description on all podcast platforms. This contest ends November 23rd, so the winner will get to watch the next Masters only five months away in crispy high definition here's something we don't get to do a lot guys a little amateur a little amateur spot spotlight let's talk about the amps shout out andy ogletree low am at the masters by the way him and butler cabin so he was um he like he was talking about i like that he was talking about playing with tiger but he wouldn't look at tiger which I, I wouldn't look at Tiger either. You don't make eye contact with them. Like you're, you're, you know, you freeze or whatever. Uh, so happy to be there. Finished T34. And Greg, this is kind of a long line of these Georgia Tech guys having success coming out and showing they've got these, these real chops. Well, I, I wish Mark were here because it all starts with Bobby Jones. Yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, and then you have Matt Kuchar. Um, and then, and then you have, um, and then you have Andy Ogletree. So that's three, right? But then, oh, last year uh, well, I, I, at Bandon Dunes, Tyler Strafacci did it this year. So you had back-to-back -back Georgia Tech U.S. Amateur Champions, which is really cool because you look at how long this spans. You have Bobby Jones at one end, and now you have Andy Ogletree, Tyler Strafacci back-to-back years. It's, it's, uh, and, and Matt Kuchar in the middle, who's had quite a nice career himself. David Duvall was pretty good, too. 
he just was saying. pretty good. He was pretty good. Uh, you know, this this KP just goes back to like how deep the game is, and we there's there's different ways we talk about how deep the game is. Uh, I I think the one we talk about a lot is the difference between like 125 on the PGA tour and the guys on the corn Ferry tour. I think that's the one we talk about a lot. We should probably also spend more time on how deep, like the top 10 players in the world are, or like the top tier of golfers, because it's a phenomenal list of guys. But then this is even like the next phase where it's like, Oh yeah, these guys who aren't even pros yet are beating pros at the masters. Andy Ogletree who shot, I don't know what he shot in the opening round, something over par, I think uh, claws it back all week long. I mean, the it's, I don't have the words anymore to describe how insanely deep golf is. Yeah, it is. By the way, uh, Stuart Sink, Ollie Schneider Johns, Chesson Hadley, Cameron Tringali, Larry Mize went to Georgia Tech. Um, I just, I was Googling. Greg was trying to go off the top of his head. <laughs> you did good, Greg. Um, Andy Ogletree, I followed him around at Augusta because I was mostly because I was watching Tiger. He hits the hell out of it. And you look at him and you're like, my wife was looking at, I brought home a, 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 like a program and she was kind of flipping through it, just seeing people that she didn't know. And uh, she was like, oh, this guy looks like he should like have a golf podcast or be a blogger or something. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he hits the hell out of it. He's really good. And yeah, I think that like, you know, the, the cliche of like, everybody's ready to win when they get out on tour. It's, it's true. And I think, I think the place that I always end up with some of that stuff is the corn fairy tour is sick. Like it's awesome. It's so good. It's so hard. I don't know. Data golf has a, a thing where you can see if um, like European tour or corn fairy tour is better. They're really close. And I think people don't necessarily think of them like that because we think of corn fairy as being like minor leagues, but it's really loaded. So if you're coming out of there and succeeding there, like a Scotty Scheffler, like uh, Ogletree, I, I think eventually will, then you're going to, you're going to be pretty good on the PGA tour. Think about the guy, think about the corn fairy tour money winners we've had recently. You have Will Zalatoris, um, who is a star, as we all know, and a, a fan, uh, one of our favorites. On he the show. better be a star for how much we've talked about him over the past couple. Right? Of I mean, we're gonna look pretty. We talk about him more. Than, yeah. <laughs> uh, you got Sungjae. Sungjae, right? Rookie of the year, yeah. and he just set a record. Speaking of ready to go right away, he sets sets a record for lowest score for a, a debut Masters of all time at fifteen under. Um, so yeah, he's ready to go. And who'd you have before that? Scotty, um, Scotty Scheffler, Scotty Scheffler, I guess. I guess he was the after guy. He, he was wasn't the year. Yeah. He was in yeah. between. He yeah. was JT. in between. Right. Who was it? KV? So, JT was up there. Like that uh, was five or six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was yeah. Producer Jacobs looking it up. We had Bryce Garnett one year. He won Im like immediately when he got out on tour. It hasn't necessarily turned into what it has for the other guys, but it, it truly is the avenue to the PGA tour. And, and the, as these guys go through, the Corn Ferry Tour, just because you're not on the Jordan Spieth, Bryson DeChambeau, John Rahm level, doesn't mean you're not ready to win on the PGA Tour. Um, so going through Corn Ferry, it preps you, man. I mean, and, and think about, too, how many guys you've seen go back for a year and then come back to the PGA Tour in much stronger form. I, I think of Max Homa, who goes back and forth and back and forth. All of a sudden, he wins at Quail Hollow. So, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a really strong tour, and you can you really have to develop your game if you want to make it to the next level. Is there a world in which um, 
Scheffler is actually the best out of the Wolf Morikawa Hovland. No, but there's a world where he's the second best. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just – Wesley Bryan was 2016, by the way. Patton Kazire. Uh, yeah, he won twice. Carlos, he, he, he just won. Yeah, even some of the guys, like, you know, in in the 1 through 10 spot, like Sung Jay's year, Sam Burns was there, Sebastian Munoz was there. Um, the 2017 year, Abraham Answer was third. Like, you, you even not the guy who just finishes first. Like, it's so, pretty uh, good. How about 2014? It was uh, – Top 20, Carlos Ortiz, JT, Finau, uh, Daniel Berger, Max Homa. I mean, that's that's loaded. That's uh, your PG. That, I mean, that's like a, a, a core group of, of tour players. Dude. Yeah, I was just, I don't know. I was thinking that about Scheffler, and I know we're talking about amateurs right now, but I just feel like he, he doesn't get maybe the credit he deserves. I, I know he hasn't won, and that, that matters, but... I don't know. I think there's a world in which he, yeah, he might be like the second best guy out of that crew. I, I, and maybe not. We'll see how it plays out, but I don't know. He's really good. To me, they're, they're all very even. I, it reminds me of the 2004 NFL draft class with all those quarterbacks. They all play for 17 years and <laughs> except Phillip rivers, they win super bowls and they're all borderline hall of fame careers. It, this class reminds me of that where uh, and maybe Scotty Scheffler is kind of the the forgotten tag along. We say, oh, yeah, he was in that class, too, because Hovland, Morikawa and Wolf drew so much attention, deservedly so. Um, I, I think Scotty Scheffler is right in that group with them. And I, I don't know if there's going to be a one, two, three, four in that group. I, I think they are all kind of going to move along up the chain together. That's what it seems like anyway. He's phenomenal. Um, also, quick note, Davis Thompson, who is the number one ranked amateur at the moment, University of Georgia, teeing it up this week at the RSM Classic. So we'll keep a close eye on him. Okay, gentlemen, we've got matchups, expert picks, first round leaders. That That's an interesting one this week. One and done, best bets coming at you right after these words. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And we're back. Matchups. Let's do it. I don't know who has the belt. We'll find that out. 
right now, but uh, let's jump into these matchups for this week. The favorite Webb Simpson minus 172 Greg over Terrell Hatton plus 138. I have a feeling that we're going to have a good week out of Hatton, but Webb in a Webb's the perfect matchup bet player, right? His floor is like T six this week. <laughs> so you, you have to, I think you have to take Webb. and if Hatton goes on and beats him, it's probably because he won. So you give him, I, I think you got to go web here. KP. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with web. I, I don't, I, I really, I actually kind of like Hatton coming off a miscut, but I'll, I'll go with web anyway. Uh, I think it was Greg and I were talking about grinding the tape from last week. You know, you could actually go watch every single one of Hatton shots and see what happened. Uh, at the master we don't usually get the 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 benefit of having everything on film like an nfl coach or something like that so i thought that for now it's phenomenal to have that it's unbelievable it's it's insane i can't even i could spend three hours talking about that um i hate laying the minus 172 on a matchup that's kind of crazy but i think greg's right like Webb's floor is so high. Hatton's a little bit, uh, he's, I mean, technically compared to Webb, he's a much more volatile player. Um, I'll take Webb Simpson here. This next one, this is the one I have the hardest issue with. KP, we'll start with you. Harris English, minus 119. Russell Henley, plus 100. Two guys who did not play the Masters. You could call them snubs or whatever. I know that the, the, the field was locked in April, but these both of these guys have been great. Yeah, Russell Henley's been just fantastic i mean he's gonna be my my uh spoiler he's gonna be my top 10 lock i feel like i say that every week and he's top 10 i mean yeah. he didn't at houston i think he finished t25 or t29 or something like that uh but with i mean the odds that he has there being plus what is it plus 100 yeah uh I'll, I'll take that over over harris english uh greg english or henley um, an, another spoiler alert upcoming. It was T29 at Houston. I'm going to go Henley. Um, I'll tell you why later. <laughs> that's the, that's a professional tease. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take Harris English here. Uh, as much as I love Russell Henley, English is like so good and I love him and he gains in all four categories. Uh, but both of these guys are phenomenal. Sung J M minus 125 versus Matthew Fitzpatrick, Greg at plus 105. I'm going to take the money here. I just don't know what to do with Sungjae. He's not, I, I just question the consistency. And after the emotion of last week, that, that when you're close to winning, we talked about this a little yesterday, Rick, when you're really close to winning, it can get emotional, even for a robot like Sungjae M. So I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a, of an exhale. And I think Fitzpatrick is with, with the odds. I think I like that a little more here. Mm. Are we worried about a bit of a letdown week for Sungjae, Kyle? Um, no, not necessarily, but I, I do like Fitzpatrick here. He's going to a shorter course. He's been playing well. He didn't have a great finish last week, obviously at the masters, but I don't know. It's, I mean, well, I'll talk more about this later, but this feels like a great spot for him. It, okay. So as much as I love Sungjae, I'm going to take Fitzpatrick here. The one thing that we have not seen from Sungjae since the restart is consistent finishes. When he yeah. plays well one week, he hasn't put two weeks uh, together in a row. I'm going to take Fitzpatrick here. Tommy Fleetwood, the namesake of the new feature on Twitter is what <laughs> I understand, right? That's straight from Tommy Fleetwood. Minus 123 versus Louis Oosthuizen at plus 102. Greg, first of all, before you answer this, 
whose swing would you rather have? Oh, man. Louis. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like Fleetwoods too, but I would go Louis. It's just, I mean, it's like getting out of bed, right? It's, it's like walking down the street. It's so easy. It's and like it's just out of bed. I've never heard it that. is. It, it's, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just uh it's awesome. It's one of my favorite swings on tour. So like there's a little bit of, of bias there. I've seen him in person. Actually, I saw him at uh on the the tournament practice area at Augusta National, and he hit these. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. He's not even in contention. It was 2017. He's it's Sunday morning. He's not even in the mix. And he's just standing there talking and hitting an eight iron. He must, I think he hit four shots in about 10 minutes and all four of them went straight up into the air directly at the flag. And two of them hit the hole. One of them went in and the other was like four feet away, but he didn't even re he did not react. It's like he hit it. It went up. I'm watching it. It almost goes in. He's talking to, to the caddy, having a laugh. He's not, he doesn't even watch it all the way down and he's not even in contention. I was just blown away. So I'm a huge, uh, Louie guy. I'm going to take him here because of the money. Uh, I like the odds. This is a tough, it's a tough call though. I thought I do like Fleetwood too. I thought you were going to say I'm a huge Louie guy, but I'm going to take Fleetwood here and then, like wrap up that whole story with Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, I'll, I'll take Louie as well here. KP Fleetwood or uh, Ustazen. He would have told me that story without any, like without knowing who it was about. The only two people I would have guessed that it was, was Tiger or Louie. <laughs> yeah those are the only two people uh i'm gonna go with fleetwood I, I don't they both played well at times last week you know so they, they both struggled at times i think that fleetwood i mean fleetwood lost his his momentum after sungjae ended him at honda he, he, yeah. just hasn't, he hasn't been good and so I, I wonder if the masters kind of kick-started him and i also wonder like and I, this is not a slight I wonder if Fleetwood is going to be more engaged. Like Louis coming off a couple majors, he's probably wanting to be on the tractor. Like I, I just I don't know how engaged he's going to be throughout the week. Uh, I, producer Jacob did let us know we kind of smashed last week in matchup. Matchup. So myself, Mark, and Kyle all went four and one. <laughs> we all get a third of awesome. a matchup Take belt. It. So what did, did I go five and five and zero oh, or what? Uh, did I, uh, <laughs> that was omitted. So I'm going to assume you did not. Yeah, uh, well, maybe Greg went uh, two and three. Two and three. So oh. as a as a group, we went four, eight, twelve, fourteen, and five. Pretty good, and pretty good mental math by me on the spot. Uh, Jocko, <laughs> Jocko Neiman, our final matchup minus one ten, making his. This is his return since testing positive for COVID before the Masters. Uh, presumably he's in the field. Haven't heard anything otherwise versus Sebastian Munoz minus one ten. So both minus one ten. Very interesting matchup here. Kyle, we'll start with you, man. I, I love Neiman just generally, but Munoz has been playing really good golf. You know, he so played good. well at, uh, what was that? Was it Zozo that he played really well? He, I mean, he's played well every event, every event this year. Yeah. Your championship. Um, yeah, I'll go, with, I'll go with Bassey here. I also went with Sebastian Munoz. I mean, if you just go back to like Northern Trust last year, he's been great, like really, really good. We, Greg and I talked about this on Monday. It's kind of harder to watch because he's going to have one round where he just bl blows the whole thing up and, and drops you, 
you know, 15 spots on the leaderboard, but uh, the rest of it's phenomenal. So I'll take Munoz as well. Greg. Yeah, uh, we can make it a sweep. I, look, I, I think he's one of the more steady players, and I do think he's close to taking the next step and getting it done on on Sunday and winning when he's in contention. Um, I know he's won before, but I think he's ready to do that again. Now, the, the majors on Sundays have given him a little bit of a hard time this year. I think this will be a much different scenario for him, and I think he can overcome it. So I, I like Munoz here. And there's so much unknown about, about Joaquin Neiman. We don't even know if he's going to be able to tee it up um so we'll see what happens with him you don't know how much he's been practicing i'll go with the safer sebastian munoz here time for picks we'll start with our sleepers um, i have something that i want to pull up so i'm gonna go first here i'll take cameron davis as my sleeper last time i saw him he was like 125 to one he was one of the numbers that stood out to me the, the raw talent is there if you want to talk about putting four rounds together he's got to figure that out but he is really good if he can put it all together so cameron davis my sleeper this week and kyle will go to you yeah i've got taylor gooch he uh i gotta be honest i'm not like super locked into the rsm but (laughs) yeah he played well i think he played well at houston i think he shot 63 final round at houston and he has been i think over the last month i had this pulled up earlier uh, pretty good from T to green. Yeah. So the last month, this is, this is only 12 measured rounds, but of everybody in the field, uh, Russell Henley's first in strokes gained overall and Taylor Gooch is second. So uh, for the last, you know, three, four tournaments, he's been really solid. And I think, I can't remember what his number is. I think I saw it at like 66 or 50 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go with Taylor Gooch this week. Greg. I'm going to go with uh, a player who I believe is on the comeback trail, Scott Piercy. Um, so Scott Piercy is really starting to turn things around. He missed the cut at the Safeway Open, then tied 57th at the Sanderson Farms, tied 19th at the Shriners, tied 14th in Bermuda, tied 32nd at the Vivian Houston Open. It's kind of like a Cameron Davis scenario where he's just there's one round every week that seems to that seems to throw him off. There's a 76 at the Sanderson on Sunday. There's a 72 at the Bermuda championship on Saturday. There's a 74 on Friday at the Houston open, but he's right there and and he's playing three out of four rounds very, very well. And what I really like is, I mean, Scott Piercy disappeared last year, completely disappeared um, as good a player as he is, but we're starting to see his iron play come back into form. He's 37th this year, approaching the green. And he's hitting over 71% of his greens of regulation. So I'm thinking Scott Piercy is getting close to ready. And I do believe he has the talent to, um, and, the, and he has a little bit of win equity, I think, as well. Top 10 locks. Kyle, I believe you already spoiled this, but it is whom? Yeah, Russell Henley. So if you go back, and again, I'm on data golf, three months, minimum 20 rounds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you the strokes getting T to green, guys. So DJ's leading 3.2 per round, which is a joke. That's insane. That's just T to green. Overall, he's 4.2 for the last three months. Stupid. That's 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 like Tiger. I mean, that's what was Tiger's best strokes gain season? Three and a half, something like that. <laughs> like 3.2, I think. Yeah, some, somewhere around. So there. it's better yeah. than Tiger. <laughs> DJ DJ's 92 under par in his last seven events. <laughs> So that, that includes three majors. So yeah. So T to green, DJ one, 
uh, Bubba two. This is minimum 20 rounds over the last three months. John Rahm is three. Justin Thomas is four. And Russell Henley is five. Mm. So I, I just – I think we're not – and again, like the putting can be an issue, but we're kind of, I think, maybe underrating just how good he's been with his ball striking over the last couple months. Yeah, he's been he's been phenomenal. Top 10 lock, Greg. You went with someone that I really like this week. Yeah, it's the um, lock of all locks, Webb Whoever. Simpson. And, and you're not going to get great odds on it, but if you want to have a little freebie in your back pocket, I, I think it's Webb. And you spoke earlier, Rick, about his record here at the RSM, and it's great. And when he goes to places where he's comfortable, he plays really well. And when he goes to places he maybe doesn't seem as comfortable, he still plays really well. So I, I think you're going to see a, a great performance out of Webb. Uh, he may win, but safety first. Um, there's another guy I'd like to win. Um, but but Webb Simpson, top 10 lock. <laughs> I like that you went in that direction, which is the the even money top 10 lock, get a safe guy. Cause I went further down the board, six and a half to one Mackenzie Hughes, Greg, you and I chatted about this on Monday last fifth. No last 16 starts. Half of them, eight of them have been top 15 finishes. He's constantly putting himself on the first page and a half of the leaderboard. I think he does it again this week. Mackenzie Hughes, six and a half to one is my pick for top 10. Now, gentlemen, picks to win. Greg, I'm going to go right back to you. Keep the momentum up. Who do you got to win? Uh, Russell Henley. Um, So Kyle, I I know Kyle's big on this for the top 10. And for all those reasons, I love Russell Henley this week. Um, The play of late has just been phenomenal, right? He's tied third at the CJ cup, tied fourth at Zozo um, and Houston. He had a tough Friday round 72 Fridays round, but tied 29th there. Um, And and I also, I, I love what he's done the past two Sundays, 66 at the Zozo 68 in Houston a player hitting the ball the way he's hitting the ball, especially when the one area you could say is weak, kind of similar to a Webb Simpson would be his distance, right? He's averaging uh, just under 290 off the tee, which is 218th on tour. Yet he hits, he's in the 70-70 club. It's a rare club where he's hitting over 70% of his fairways and over 70% of his greens. In fact, he's hitting 75% of his greens. Mm. So I, I love iron play, and I think Russell Henley is due for a win and he knows it he's kind of an animal um i'm i'm going with the chalk this week i don't always do it but i'll take webb simpson to win the golf tournament i just think he's the best player in the field this is one of the best spots for him i'm not gonna overthink this kyle your pick to win is interesting and i'd like to know why yeah it's matthew fitzpatrick um you know again like i think i don't want to get fooled by the master's result he had some good results leading into that he finished top five at the BMW uh, PGA Championship at Wentworth, which had a, a good field. Uh, he was top, I think, 20 or 15 in a couple PGA Tour events leading in. And I think that um, I think that the shorter course will, will probably benefit him this week. You know, the, you, you go to these, like, even Sherwood, and it's just like, man, he, he's got so many bombers in the field. And it's so, you know, Augusta last week, it's so – it's such a big ballpark and it's, it's hard for him to keep up, you know? And, and I think he's somebody like Webb where you get him in the fairway and from there on, like he's pretty stout. So I don't know. I, I wanted to, I almost, I actually almost picked Henley as well, but I'm going to go with Matthew Fitzpatrick instead. I like it. Uh, producer Jacob dropped first round leader picks on us this week, which is uh, very interesting considering we have two 
courses running this week. So we've got Seaside and we've got Plantation. Historically, and Greg, you and I were chatting about this on Monday, so I'll start with you. Historically, the Plantation course plays about a half a stroke easier. So I think you want to be targeting those guys, but obviously anything anything can happen. Yeah, maybe you divide the field in half. Look, this is the hardest of all the bets to get. The, the data you have applies the least here in one round. It, it's so hard to predict. It's a little bit of throwing a blind dart. So I'm going to pick Scott Piercy because uh, I believe he's my sleep. I think he's going to get off to a really hot start and have a great week as a sleeper. Um, so I'm going to go with him. But these these don't make – I don't feel great about a first round. <laughs> a second round is a different story. But a first round leader I think is – it's. I mean, it's like picking a Corn Ferry Tour winner where there's so many guys who can do it, who can play one round really well. It's just, it's just tough. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a crapshoot, but you get the odds in your favor for it, which is the best part. So I'll, yeah. I'll take, um, I'll take Kevin Kisner here. That's a name we haven't talked about. He's been uh, phenomenal at this event. He's going to start in the plantation course. What I like about him is these are two short courses. He is not long and he can get a hot putter, which sometimes you need to be able to do to win a, any round, especially the first round KP who will be our 18 hole leader. I'll go with Charles Howell the third. You know, he played, he played well uh, the first couple of rounds at the Masters. He won here two years ago, and uh, he starts on the plantation course as well. So I'll say he leads at uh, – it's usually pretty low, isn't it? Like eight under after the first round? Yeah, you're going to have to shoot something pretty low, <laughs> low, I think, because the winning score – the average winning score of the last five years is like 19 and a half under – and the plantation courses, you're going to have to shoot, yeah, seven, eight under par is probably going to yeah. do it. I'll, I'll go with Charles Howe. Yeah. One and done leans. Um, Kyle, you and I are on the same page here. We're not going to overthink this. Yeah, it's a good spot for Webb. Um, you know, we were talking earlier, there's a lot of good spots for him. So, yeah. I don't – you know, I might – I don't know. I, I think he's probably the right play. I just don't – I've already used Henley, which sounds crazy. Like, <laughs> I don't know what other direction I would go in. It seems it seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you there, um, Greg. You have a familiar name. Yes, Henley. Um, now I gotta I gotta do a little homework here and verify that I haven't used him. Yeah, but he's I my also, lean right now. I so also if I if I did use him, then I apologize. But I think I don't think I have. So I'm I'm thinking. It's Russell Henley. So a look behind the curtain here. We submit our one and done picks through text now instead of through <laughs> the website where the website tells you who you've picked and who you haven't. So I have no idea who I've picked and who I haven't picked. I just Are you deleting your out. text messages? <laughs> I just keep firing out like the best. Oh, here we go. Producer Jacob has it. Uh, while I go through the one and done stuff, uh, let's get to our best bets for the week. And Kyle, we'll start with you. Uh, I got to pull this up. Why don't you go to somebody else? Okay, Greg, why don't we start with you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, um, so I'm going to go with a group bet. Uh, group I love e, this. Which has Matthew Fitzpatrick, Kyle's winner, unfortunately. Uh, Corey Connors, Kevin Kisner, CT Pan, Zach Johnson, and Denny McCarthy. Um, Denny McCarthy is at the bottom of the barrel. And I think he's, he's ready to have a great week. Um, Mark, um, Rick, you both have been saying for a while that he's ready to win and he looks ready to win. And I, I think that's true. So when I see him at the very bottom of this group, 
Corey Connors is the guy that gives me the most worry because he's just been playing so well. But I don't see a lot of ultra reliable guys here that I would want to take. Maybe Kisner would be a, a good one, but I think Danny McCarthy and all the group bets stands out to me. Um, best odds, and I think he's really got a real shot at winning that group, Group B. If I could handpick Denny McCarthy and Doc Redmond to win, I don't care, this week and next week, like I don't care which one it is, I could go into the offseason like a pig in mud. I would be so, so thrilled if that would happen. I've <laughs> been talking about them constantly for the last couple of months. Uh, okay, so Greg, so back to the one-and-done stuff. You're, you've used... Brendan Steele, Xander Shoffley, Will Zalator, Sam Burns, Patrick Cantlay, Hideki Matsuyama, Joaquin Neiman, Denny McCarthy, Lonto Griffin, and Dustin Johnson. So you do have Russell Henley available. Yes. Okay. That, so that's no more a lean. Uh, I, I'll put it in writing and text message, Jacob. But um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Russell Henley. Uh, that's a pretty solid, like, you haven't used a ton of huge names. Look, it's super season. You got you to think ahead a little bit here. Yeah, uh, and and we got to win to get in a win in the master like you, using DJ and winning the masters with it. We didn't even get to, that, that feels good. You, 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 you can't you can't it? do much better. You want to just keep talking about it? <laughs> yeah, let, let's get. I mean, <laughs> let's just start. Right, we're late. We again. can move on. Let's start from the top. We'll talk up. about it off air, Kyle. Yeah, I got my best bet. Uh, Cameron Davis, top Australian plus three twenty. I don't really love any other Australians in the field. You've got Cameron Percy. You've got Aaron Day. Bowden. I know Day's not even playing. Jay, uh, I think Day is playing, but he missed the cut last week at the Masters. Oh, that's right. Okay, uh, so Day, Percy, Baddeley. Matt Jones. Matt Jones. So I'll go Cameron Davis plus 320. Love it. Mine is Brian Harmon, top 20 for two and a half times my money. Uh, he's been phenomenal. He's been – I think he and – Louie have the longest active cut streak uh, in this field right now. It's 11, uh, only four streaks longer. It's still like Rory, Xander, Rom, and Hovland are the longer streaks. I think he's a Sea Island guy too. Let's do it. He went to the University of Georgia, right? Isn't he a Georgia yeah. Bulldog? Yep, he's a Bulldog. Sea Island Mafia. Sea Island Mafia. It's that week, baby. Uh, gentlemen. We're going to be back uh, on Friday with a little weekend. No, is that right? Am I? Yes. Little weekend look ahead. Sorry. I thought producer Jacob was shaking his head. No at me. And I got, I got nervous for a second. So we'll be back on Friday with a little weekend look ahead for the RSM classic and some news roundup for now. I'd like to thank Greg Ducharme. You can find on Twitter at the real GFD. I'd like to thank Kyle Porter, who you can find at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been the first cut. And we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? Bow, bow, bow. 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.